0: Hey everyone, this is Mike. Certainly, all of our guests on this show are special, and that's why we we ask them to be on board. So I don't want to repeat that for this one, but but I do feel like this is you know quite an honor to spend some time with Cassius. Cassius is a recording artist, uh, a piano player, and she's a creative person who's had some unique experiences in the music industry and had some success early on. Uh, working with Bruno Mars and Lupe Fiasco and the producer Needles that have sort of propelled him into a really unique space right now uh, on his journey where he's trying to develop his independent label, Vinyl Crown, and do some really, really exciting things that he'll talk about. So I hope you enjoy this story of a kid who grew up between Harlem and Atlanta is now... Uh, breaking ground in the music industry. Welcome to The Whole Grown-Up, hosted by Michael T. Jordan. We want you to be inspired to create a fulfilling life through balance, leadership, and hard work. The Whole Grown-Up interviews some amazing people that have blended responsibility with some tremendous self-pursuits. Come join us at the crossroads of experience and meaning. Live like a whole grown-up. All right, welcome everyone to the whole grown up. And today we've got the talented, creative, and unique Mr. Kaleo Cassius Walton. What's going on, cousin?
1: Good, I'm good. How you feeling?
0: Oh, doing doing well, man. So. I know you and I have had some some really good conversations I want to make sure we we share them with the world and not only just kind of explore some of the things that you've done but i I really want to take the time to focus on your journey and what drives you but just you know for the audience just so they know you're a part of the original melody and lyrics for the Grammy award winning single, Just the Way You Are with, with Bruno Mars. So I'm sure we'll get into talking about that a little bit. And you've launched Vinyl Crown, which is an independent publishing and recordings company. Talk, talk a little bit about that. I mean, we, you and I have had conversations about what it means to be independent, you know, how difficult to, it is to sort of navigate the, the industry. So talk about why it's so important for you to have Vinyl Crown and to be independent.
1: Well, when I, when I, um, like you mentioned, I, I, I had some early success
0: in the music industry and I was, I
1: was kind of fortunate enough that uh, it was so early on that I didn't know anything. right? And and, and me not knowing anything, um, I kind of made some decisions that allowed me to, uh, to stay independent while I learned what, what, it, what it is that I want. The music industry was breaking itself into like three different parts. One was like popular culture, which is obviously everything on the radio. But we're familiar with commercial, um, exploitation and one obviously urban, um, which is, which is kind of the base of where I come from. And then this, this new thing that was, that was happening, which I called at the time indie culture. I don't really know, um, a better name for it, but it was kind of like this thing was about, about being cool and, but it was about being more, uh, like cult following, uh, credible and things of that nature. And I realized that, um, where you had artists like uh, Bruno Mars, who was a who again was a big commercial success, right? And then you had artists like um, Lana Del Rey, who never who didn't have any uh, re- records on the radio and wasn't commercial in that way, but the most credible artist, and she was on every single blog, and she sold five million records. Mm. Bruno sold six million records and together, right? And somebody like Adele, you would think it was eleven million records but it, it it really culminated to 30 million records and, and I realized that if you have um if you're able to to really craft something around this artistic indie culture you can uh, always be relevant to the um to the urban scene because the urban scene was created out of taking you know taking nothing and turning into something which is ar- as artistic as you can get mm. but then you can also trade up to this artistic scene, cool scene. They want to be cool. They want to be excellent. Yeah, so you're able to to trade up. So you see a lot of um independent stars now becoming I mean, major stars. like Winter Gordon, who's um from Queens lives in Brooklyn and Cool. Um, like a the cool girl writing uh three of Beyonce's his records on this new uh Lemonade album that's obviously has attained such huge commercial success. So I, I initially started with the idea of being able to marry those three different uh spectrums of music and then as I got into it a little bit more I wanted to branch out into art and other mediums of art not just uh music, music. and lifestyle branding so that's kind of what it's it's become it's become a, a music art and lifestyle branding company mm, yeah so- and, and 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 independently I'm able to control the how we grow and and it, I just don't have as much pressure there's not anybody like really watching me and making sure that I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing so I'm able to take losses and able to take chances and risks that other companies aren't able to so far so good
0: Hey, so let's talk about your early years I mean let's talk about how you you, you know the most influential years of your life who who were your influencers How, I mean, how did you really start on this path the creative path the musical path yeah it's
1: funny because like, most people think of um, Cassius as Cassius Clay. Mm. But my grandfather, who was, um, you know, he was a history teacher, then became a principal and just an educator for the rest of his life. I kind of knew that I had this this creative spirit in me, but I, I don't even know what you call him. I kind of, I used to be the the, the ringleader, so to speak. Mm. And I would uh, have all these schemes, and this is what we're going to do. and We're going to put on this talent show, that right. we're going to raise this money to go get this video game or whatever it was and he named me Cassius after um the the character in Shakespeare
0: mm.
1: everybody knows uh brutus killed caesar but it was cassius brutus older brother that kind of put him up to the conspiracy so he he used to always say I was the ringleader of the conspiracy <laughs> and um and named me Cassius for that and i i think he, he you know he was he was one of i've never I've, I've never met anybody who was as um had such a presence like my grandfather had like this presence about him we weren't we we definitely weren't rich but he was um you know he was such a decorated man he was one of the first uh african-american board of education members in bergen county which is historically known as one of the leading counties in education in, in uh in the country it was the birthplace of of integration voluntary integration in the country and he was just this this you know this prestigious black educator and i learned from that and i and he taught me to even without saying he kind of taught me to seek out other mentors. Mm. So when I um I think when I moved to Atlanta, I moved to Atlanta young, probably 12 13, mm-hmm. and I um I attended this this uh you know, music school. Was it wasn't, it was it was a it was a public school, but it was just known for its music program, right? And we had um we had like this 400 piece band. And there was a guy there who uh named and Mr. Don Roberts, and he he just had he reminded me of characteristics that my grandfather had. So mm-hmm. I just kind of asked him a bunch of questions, talked to him a lot, um, did my best to stay around him. And my senior year ended up being a drum major, which is one of those you know one of the six people at the at the school who leads the four hundred piece band. And wow. uh, drum line was was um, was an opportunity that we got to be a part of my senior year and. I got a chance to be one of the acting coaches and that for the drum majors and, and, and just participate in a movie where I could. And it led to a lot of opportunities and in in, in including um, a bunch of scholarship offers, but also including an internship with Arista, which is kind of where I got my feet wet in the music industry
0: hmm. Um, from jump, you know. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Talk about, uh, you know, having an opportunity put right in front of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And then even, even, even after that, you know, I still consider, I, I've just been fortunate to watch people that have become mentors of mine to mm-hmm. continue to improve and grow in their field. And it's kind of put the bug in my ear to continue and improve and grow in my own life.
0: Yeah, I was uh, rereading that Bunch magazine article that dream issue. And mm-hmm. they used the word complicated to describe you talk about that. That's such an interesting word um because I've been working for the last
1: year to um to rewrite that <laughs> in my own life. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And I
1: think that you know I'm a Gemini and I think that uh Geminis tend to get um I don't even know if it's a bad rap but they definitely get a rap as being uh, extreme in both in both on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh having duality and I think that's kind of um, followed me in and everywhere I've been. I've been as I, I came back to um to Teenack with my grandparents settled mm-hmm. uh about a year ago. Right. And it, it's funny because I I'm seeing neighbors who I hadn't seen since I was like a little boy. Mm. And they don't know anything about music success or anything And that neighbor I was like a basketball player and everybody right. thought I was going to have a shot at doing that full time. So you know, being being as much of a of a basketball player as a piano player is kind of, you know, weird and, and, and not customary. And I think that it, you know, just growing up in the north and then growing up in the south, the whole family obviously lives here, but I was raised predominantly there. Some of some of you know, some of those things make for I wouldn't say complicated but non traditional is probably you know, a more, a more useful term <laughs> that
0: I would say. Not, non-traditional? Yeah, I you like know, it. it's a little unorthodox. Right. I think,
1: you know, I built my business around the idea of being unorthodox right. about doing things and finding a new way to do things. And I think that comes from just the
0: way I grew up and the background that I had. So talk a little bit more about that. Cause I, I, you know, in my experience, I've learned when people have a certain gift, um, whether it's, you know, athletics, you know, or music or, you know, generally the arts, there's, there seems to be this common theme that there was some period of their life where they got exposed to it and they had to sort of learn their way into it, you know? So what, at what moment did you, did you say, you know what, I like this, I'm, I'm good at it and I'm going to keep running with it. And what were those sort of experiences that you had?
1: Sure. Well, that's a good question. Is, is 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 kind of bringing back some good memories for me. One one thing was, um, you know, when I was when I was young, my grandparents got me into to classical music, and I'll never forget. I was just visiting my grandparents. We we had a really bad car accident in Atlanta. My my dad, myself, and um and some family friends were in the car as well, mm. and uh, everybody was really hurt pretty bad except for me. Mm. And my my dad was working on recovering. And, uh, he sent me to stay with his parents up here for, for a couple of weeks. I think it was going to be a month, a couple of weeks to a month. And I was in the store with my, um, with my grandmother, was shop right at the time. And this lady named Elizabeth Taylor, who was my dad's piano teacher, saw us in the store and she said, that must be, you know, Reggie's son. He looks just like him. Mm. And my grandmother said, yes, you know, and, and she said I, that he has to become one of my students. And I'll wow. teach him for free. So one of the one of the great piano teachers was willing to take me on as a student for free. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't something that, you know, my, my grandparents were willing to turn down. Right. And I became one of her last students. And I, I, I'll i never forget. She asked me, one, one day she asked me, she said, you know what? At my funeral, I want you to play my favorite song. I said, what's that? And she said, precious Lord. And two weeks later, she passed. And I was young. I was probably maybe eight, maybe nine, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I never really, you know, I never, I, I experienced a lot of death early, but I never, I, I never saw anybody kind of call their own, their own number right, right in that way. And I went and I learned it and I went to the funeral and I played and it was the first time that I had ever played any piece outside of a classical piece. And just the feeling of playing in front of, I had done recitals before, but, uh, but an audience like that, it was, it was, it was, it was different. It was, mm. it, it really meant more. And and that I kind of took that with me. There, there's this thing called a lip sync. It was it was really big here. And a lip sync is where you do uh, uh, something famous and you kind of yeah. lip sync the words, kind of like you know, sure, big. And I decided to do an original piece, and it was the first song I ever written, and it was called P- Pretty White Dove, and it was after my mom who passed. And I had um, I was a I was a freshman, and I, I had one of the most beautiful girls in the school was this girl named Maricris, mm. and she was a dancer. And I had her um, do an interpretive dance to this song. So I'm sitting here on the piano in front of the whole school at what's supposed to be a lip sync, playing a slow <laughs> song where I'm singing about my mom passing and rapping. Uh-huh. And I'm playing the piano and rapping, and I'm probably, you know, 12, 13 at the time. And I came in second in the lip sync to this whole big presentation that i was also a part of so i, so I ended up coming in first and second i can't even <laughs> i can't even be mad at that uh, but i love it. it i love it but yeah i was part of it was it was it was this thing it was like people were like what are you doing but then they but they, they loved it and, and it, it kind of you know it, it became like a staple a staple moment in my life where i knew i could do this and i and i wasn't afraid and i wasn't afraid of the moment and i
0: wasn't afraid to be different I've talked I've talked to a lot of people about that idea, right? You know, following your true authentic self and I think mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, if we're lucky enough in life we pick up on it and hopefully young enough where we can do something about it. And I think there's some people okay. who just don't don't even recognize that they're not living an authentic life. So what's interesting to me is that you you had done recitals, you were doing classical music, but the feel of being able to control what you wanted to express creatively, that I mean, that was your authentic self, and, and that you're saying kind of propelled you. Yeah, I think I think um,
1: you know that's that's a
0: that's a really cool
1: um, look way to look at perspective, like your authentic self. I haven't heard that too often, but I do agree with you. I agree that there are things that are really truly you in your purest form, right? And I think that um, I don't know. I don't know if it's so much creating that was that was my purest form the i love the ability to be able to bend perception Mm. and emotion i think that was that was the thing that i loved the most and sometimes i was equipped with with the material to be able to do that that wasn't my own like i was i was pretty like when i was young i was probably seven years old delivering i have a dream speech all over (laughs) you know yeah. Everywhere, like yeah. I used to get as a seven-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, I used to get paid to go um give this speech because I because I, I it was such you know it's such a moving piece that you're able to bend perception you're be you're able to create emotion right. and then there were some times where I just didn't feel like I had the material whether it was musically or or artistically and I had to create it in order to get that same uh, emotion. Mm and an effect and i think that's kind of what what led to me creating and sharing was the idea that i've i, I just always wanted to uh show someone that something was possible that they didn't think was possible mm. or or that there was a depth within themselves that they could reach that they didn't really think that they could reach mm. and um i honestly i think that's kind of what's led to a lot of the decision making that i've made both as a, a artist and a creative and as a and as a businessman overall
0: talk about how growing up the way we did in our era it was all about hip hop right so in yeah. your mind how did hip hop influence your create your 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 sort of flow and then how did you blend that in with just being a classically trained musician
1: yeah well to to talk about the classical the classical element I, I get it really honestly. Like my 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 grandfather sang with Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians, was which at the time was like the biggest glee club. They called it a glee club. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sang at uh, Yankee Stadium. He sang at uh, Madison Square Garden. He was on the radio when he was young. My grandfather. Mm-hmm. My my dad grew up as a classical piano player, but he got it more in the jazz. Right. And so he started jazz bands and he tried to do it professionally and got, you know, he got somewhere, but didn't get as far as he wanted to get. So coming up in that, they, they pushed me and, um, and, and really, you know, helped me and didn't didn't over push me and right. kind of I, because I, a lot of those things i didn't even find out until much later on mm-hmm. but i kind of picked it up naturally because it was in my you know it was in my family right and uh i, I told you about miss miss taylor passing yep. and i had another teacher after that um, named angelo caffarelli and he passed and i was probably 12 to 13 at the time mm. and um and i lost you know i lost two 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 of my teachers mentors friends and And again, I told you I'd suffered a lot a lot, a lot of loss right at a really at a really, really young age, yep, and it just was too much for me to handle, so I never wanted to take a lesson I've never taken a lesson ever in my life after that mm. and around that same time, again, I was getting into um to hip hop, and my first hip hop concert was like far side and crisscross <laughs> and um wow, and I thought that was cool and I just the way that they were able to um you know, to, to affect people the same way I was talking about their perception and to create emotion without utilizing an instrument. They, their only instrument was their voice. Mm. So that was really cool. They didn't want me to listen to that type of music in the house. They had cussing and all this other stuff. So what I would do is when they went to the grocery store,
0: mm.
1: I would sit at the piano and turn on uh, whatever countdown it was. Sometimes it was video souls. Sometimes it was like the BT countdowns. and um And I would learn whatever song was on the countdown I would learn how to play it on the piano mm-hmm. and then by the time they came back home I would shut the TV off and I would be playing it so you know hip hop is all based on old school sh- melodies and samples and things of yeah, that nature so
0: yeah.
1: they would come in thinking I was playing Thelonious Monk or or you, you know what I mean like <laughs> right, right, right. Otis Redding and um and I'd be I I'd, I'd be playing and in right. my head and and in, in my head I wouldn't say it out loud but in my head I was like Oh, f- that. Uh, going to the, I was you know, yeah, and I would learn wow. how to rap that way. So it, it it created this whole spiral effect to where I could play and create my own tracks on the piano mm. and be able to rap and do it simultaneously. And then when Jay Z mentioned the line about he didn't write, he didn't write anything down,
0: mm.
1: I became the coolest kid because everybody. I had all these elaborate notebooks. And then Jay-Z was like, he doesn't write anything. And I was like, oh yeah, I do that.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: that's how I do it. That's how I create. And the people were like, what do you mean? And I'd sit, I'd take it one step further and I'd be sitting at a piano playing and then freestyling a whole song, bridge. Uh, <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? I'd have a hook. I'd have a vamp. I'd have a post section. I'd, I'd change up the beat in the middle because I was, that's kind of the world that I was used to. and And it kind of became this Phenomenon thing, mm. and um yeah, and you know, it le- it led to, it honestly led to that that Bruno record that you were referring to. Yep, it it it, it, it kind it of led all the way to that, which is one of the biggest
0: staple things that I think I have to my name. I mean, you mentioned you know being in the band and and obviously being on drumline, but talk a little bit about like your 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 early days, some of the you know, music industry influencers that you've had that have kind of put you on the path or, or maybe, or maybe they didn't, maybe you, you know, you blazed your own path based on some of the things you were seeing. Talk about the early years. I, I, I really didn't do it right. You know, I had an opportunity. I was an
1: A&R intern. I was young, I was fresh out of high school. It was my, it was actually, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved back to New York Mm -hmm. and I was an A&R intern and the, and the friends that I had in New York were still in high school. And, um, you know, so I was, I was really young in it. I was working with, um, Mark Pitts. Mm. Um, uh, I remember Benji was, was, uh, uh, L.A. Reed was the, was the chairman at the time. Yep. And, um, L.A. Reed, Karen Kwok was under him. Uh, Benji, uh, who, who went on Benji was his um in, uh not intern but his assistant okay. Benji left and 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 went on to open up Rostrum Records and signed Wiz Khalifa and Mac Miller and had all this success hmm. and I and when I tell you I didn't keep up with anyone not not oh, one person man. not w- not one person I did okay. not keep up with one person not one and I don't know
0: why I didn't uh, victim of youth and perspective lack of perspective, maybe
1: not even because i knew you know I, i've i've kept up with so many people at that time i just i i don't know whether i don't know whether it was so real to me that i was i don't know what it was i just i think i had this i think a little bit of it was i had this chip on my shoulder which was like if if i do what i'm supposed to do in life they'll find me again and they'll mm. create this great story and you, you know, right. know what I mean? right. like let me not connect the dot but let me let me take this dot that I already have and then go create another dot. And then if I do what I'm supposed to do, the dots will connect organically. Right. And they have, because, because Daryl Jones was there as yep. well. And I remember, you know, I remember at one point giving Daryl Jones coffee. And then when I went on to do um the, uh, the Lupe, you know, the Lupe record, I was on the album that went number one, went number one mm-hmm. and they had to buy the record off of, off of me. It was like Daryl was seeing the same name that brought him coffee. And we had never had a conversation. We've never had a conversation since but I know that, you know, it was just to know that yeah, same same dude, same you know, same guy. Right. It was really it was really um it was really a cool feat and I'm running into a lot of those same people again in the same circle, so I'm I'm getting it back, but I definitely didn't do it correctly the first time. I think um highly favored, man, where I got a chance to work with a big um producer and create something really um dynamic that kind of forced everybody to to say hey yo this dude is this dude is for real and then i you know i know enough people who know enough people who know enough people that were able to make some of those introductions again yeah and it makes for a cool it just makes for a really cool story <laughs> it's a right? great story 12 years ago i could have just given you this you mean i could have i could have cut out all the hardship but you know the work is the process is where you learn the most about yourself and and your um and your purpose. Mm.
0: So you mentioned Lupe. You know, obviously you talked about Bruno Mars. I do want to get into your relationship a little bit with Needles, but talk talk about just the way you are and you know your association with that song and, and how that kind of came together for you.
1: Interestingly enough, because it's so so much of a common misconception about that record. So I was working. um A friend of mine was was signed to Needles, and um when I was in in school for two semesters in college. I met this, I met this, um, this guy who's a rapper as well. And so he was talking to Needles. He just had me come over and hang out with him because he was in Atlanta. Mm. Um, and I hadn't seen him in a few years. So I did. And Needles was, they were working on a record that he, that with Lupe. Mm. And, um, and, uh, the record had a sample and he, and Needles was mentioning, Hey, I, I really want to get somebody to come in and replay the sample. And he heard it a different way and whatnot. And I was just like, I could do it. And he was like, what? And I was like, "Yeah, I play the piano." And so the whole time, no one knew I played the piano because I got away from it again. It w- when when once my once my um teachers out, I never took a lesson. I kind of got away from it, and I just right. became this this hip hop rap kid. So he was like, "Where you can play?" And so I started playing. He liked the way it came out. He invited me back the next day. I really played some samples. He was like, "Yo, this is really dope. What are you doing?" And then I played him the song. Uh, uh I kind of modified the song that I talked about doing for my mom mm-hmm. when I was wow. twelve or thirteen. I modified yeah. it and I finished it, and um and I played that song for him. And it was just me playing on the piano, and he was like, "Yo, that's 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 incredible. I've never seen anybody do that before." I I want to work on a project with you. Wow. And I said, "Cool." And then he said, "Yeah, your style is your style is different than mine. I think the 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 combination of the two would be cool." Mm. Um, and I was like, "All right." Is what do you want me to do Go home You know Play some chord progressions Send them to me um, I'll let you know Which ones I really like And then we'll take it from there And the first thing I did When I went home Was this one chord progression That I played So I kept playing this loop Over and over and over Almost like a sample yep. Except I was playing it live Right And I'm playing it over And over and over and, and, and an hour and 30 minutes go by And I'm still playing it And I'm still feeling it And I'm like This has gotta be it so I send it to him. He gets super excited. It goes kind of crazy. So he's like, this is it. So I'm thinking, this is my first single. I know I'm going to smash it right, <laughs> right over. Right. And I was taking my time. I was like, all right, I'm going to take my time writing it. It's got to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. Uh, next thing you know, he calls me and he's like, yo, I know this is supposed to be your record <laughs> and all, but you know, <laughs> Lupe really needed the record. So I send it to him. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you mean what do I think? No. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, no. It's my this, joint. This is this is my joint. Yeah. And he was like, Well, you know, we you could do this all over and over and over and over again. If you're able to do this for um a big name artist, you'll get more recognition, all all the things that you would tell somebody uh, to give up their what they wanted, right?
0: Mhm.
1: And I said, you know what? But it made sense and, and and I realized I could do it over and over and over again. Right. So um, so we did. And then I I envisioned, I envisioned like Chris Martin on it. Cause if I, if I was going to do a song, I would want to do it with Chris Martin. Mm. And so I, I, I had, um, I had a bunch of writers come in because I didn't write. I had a bunch of writers come in, but nobody really like nailed it. Right. And so one day this guy was in there and he was, he was, uh, he was coming up with something that was just completely opposite of what I thought it should be. And so I got kind of frustrated and was like, no, it, it's gotta be something like this. Mm. And then I, I told him, I told him what to sing, he goes in the booth and he sings it. And then, um, you know, I come back out and needles is like, eh, I don't know. And I'm like, Nope, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is it. I feel it. Right. And, um, and they send it in and, uh, the, the label that Lupe was signed to, didn't have chris martin wasn't gonna go pay chris martin his fee so they Mm -hmm. just put their variation of chris martin on the record which was bruno um and then one thing led to another and four months later it wasn't it was no longer lupe's record it was it was bruno's (laughs) first single wow you know i don't know how that happened they changed they changed a few things in the in the hook that i wrote they wrote verses to it because i obviously i thought lupe was gonna rap right um so i didn't write any verses to it and and i essentially, I just created the the idea for the song um the uh the melodic structure for for the
0: the chorus, some of the words for the chorus, and then all the piano parts Wow um, so what was it like man? I mean, having the experience of being at the Grammys, you know realizing that you know you had a major contribution to that song i mean what what was that experience like for you you know, I, I'm. I've never been that
1: guy, man. I yeah. just never have. Right. Um. The the year, the year that just the way you are won a Grammy, I didn't go. Mm. I was literally, I didn't even watch. Mm. I was just at, at at home chilling. I'm just not that guy. Right. You know. Um. I, I went the next year. Mm-hmm. Um. Because it was up for. It was nominated for a couple things and and the lupe album was nominated because i I ended up being on the lupe album for a different song right and so the lupe album was nominated for um for an award as well so i went that year um i lost to adele and kanye which aren't bad people to lose to i guess (laughs) not bad at all if if you're gonna lose if you're gonna lose you might as well lose to the best no doubt and um and then um yeah, I, I never really cared to go back. I never, I, I just, I've never really been that guy in that way. I like the networking um opportunity. So when I, I do go out to L.A. to network that week and just hang out and show my face. I told, I told Needles this year. It's funny. Like every year I go to the Grammys, the Grammy week. Mm-hmm. The first year I remember, we we went to the mall and we bought like outfits <laughs> just for that event and da da da. And then every year I've, I've, I've dressed. Worse, (laughs) you know. I think, like, I think this year I wore the same thing I had on the day before. Wow! Didn't get a haircut, nothing, and and every year I dress worse, and I feel like I, my life is so much better. I get so much more, um, um, I get I get so much more done, right?
0: I feel like I get so much more attention. I I don't know what it is. I think it's just because you're being yourself. You know, know, talking, getting back to being your authentic self, so. Yeah, 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 and you can
1: see, and and when you're not concentrated on all the extra things, you can kind of see the nuances. So you see the people who, like, oh, that person just bought those shoes yesterday, right? And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, so yeah, so so they're they're so worried about somebody stepping on them that they can't even
0: recognize what's happening around them. Yeah, it's it's, it's their it's, it's their uniform. I mean, you know, it's you know, every morning I wake up, I put a suit on, and it's my uniform, and I automatically you know become. You know, work mic, business mic, but at my authentic self, right? If I'm just hanging out, I'm not, I'm not wearing that. So I think, you know, maybe the clothing reflects just sort of the state of mind you're in, you know. So, or maybe that's what it reminds yeah. you of, and that's what people are attracted to. So, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I really, I recognize. I think as I get,
1: as I get um, more into real art, and and more of my friends become high level artists, that I, re- I recognize that there's a difference between like. Um, uh, there's a difference in taste. Right. So it doesn't matter that, that you've got something brand new or, or that it has this name that's reflected behind it because you can have your taste level is, is, is seen in other, in so many things. It's about, it's about clothing and it's a, it's also about like how you, how you wear the clothing, but it's about, it's about the people that you choose to associate yourself with and the people who are, you know with me like we talked about vinyl crown a little earlier for the most part everybody who's with me has been with me for the last five six seven years mm. Mm. and so just just the fact that um um you know people like desmond who you met was was in uh was outside of atlanta about an hour and then he came to it when i was in atlanta he came to atlanta when I moved to um, LA, he moved to LA with me. And then when I moved to New York, he moved to New York with me. And you know, just just people seeing that and 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 asking me when they see me, hey, how's Desmond? I'm like, oh, he's he's real good. I just got off the phone with him. And people people recognizing that, wow, people are are following you on this on this journey on this process the entire way through. That's right. I think I think some of those things are me going to a Grammy Weekend and and hanging out with needles and and people being like. Yeah, you know, they haven't really done any work together in, in in five six years, and they're they still look like they're best friends. Mm. Mm. And I think those are because at the end of the day, that w- w- we we all strive for something real, and sometimes any industry uh, is going to have you know some levels of it that aren't necessarily real. Mm. And so, if you can find the realness inside of it, which is why I think it's important to to own your own because when you own your own thing you you're able to be real when you have good when you have you know when you're working really hard and you see good results you you know hey I'm working really hard and I'm seeing good results and when right. you're not working as hard you it's
0: <laughs> like I can work a little bit harder but it's all real right right it's interesting too i mean you listen to uh your song breakfast club uh which by the way i told you i can't stop listening to uh for no, for, for, for for a lot of reasons I mean, you have, and I want to talk about what this single means for what you're currently working on, too, but um, you decided, I remember we, we had this conversation a while back about Dame Dash's interview. You decided mm-hmm. to, to use it on the front and the back end of that song. Talk a little bit about what that meant to you to use that and, and, and you know, what you were trying to say by that and, um, and then also talk about the song. Yeah, I mean, first off, I'm a, I'm a huge Dame
1: fan. Everybody who knows me knows about that. I, sometimes I think he he's he's very very aggressive in the way that he presents his arguments. But I got a chance to meet him at at um at uh, one of the brunches for CSEC, and it was just it was a it was a cool moment. It was and it was right after my grandfather passed away. Mm. So my grandfather was from Harlem. So to be able to talk to Dame about another um affluent man from Harlem was like a it was just a cool thing. Wow. You know, for me because I know it gave him the opportunity to look up somebody else. Mm. Um. And yeah, I just did the interview was was amazing. My my I I think 5 to 7 of my friends immediately after that interview, I was like, "Yo, you cannot. It's over. Work is over." <laughs> like like tell me what you want to do. Right. But that 9 to 5 is done, it's right. dead. We're we're out. We're right. not nope. You can't go back. My girl um never went back. She started her own company and, and is and is really starting to grow. So at every, you know, I think it was a huge interview for from a motivating factor. It was also one of those things where Dame hadn't put out a record. He hadn't he hadn't been famous, technically, or relevant in that limelight in a while. But he said so many things that were truthful and that really struck a chord with people that immediately he blew up again um, after that interview. And it's just kind of the power of truth. And, and he changed people's perception and he created emotion all inside that interview and so when I um I wanted to put out a record to say I was going to put out a record because I I, you know I'm pegged as a perfectionist who I have all these amazing things but I never share it with people and and that's kind of (laughs) true you know what I mean so I wanted I wanted to let people know that this year I was gonna I was going to um open up and share what I've been creating and what I've been working on inside the vault and it was the first thing, it's not like a single, I'm not shooting a video, I don't want it to be on MTV, I didn't even really promote it to anybody outside of friends and family, and I'm very fortunate that people have caught on to it, and it's doing really well on SoundCloud, yeah, sure but um, ultimately, it was just something I wanted to say, hey, this is what I stand for, like, I'm, I I, I love, I I'm, I like, I remember when it was about being witty and you had to be not just good, but you had to be great at your craft right. and you had to say something and you had to say something that I'm, I'm sure like if, if you listen to it a hundred more times, you're going to hear something that you didn't hear in the first hundred
0: listens. I'll tell you what uh, i that's going to catch you. Sir, Arthur what was your, what was Conan, your line? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I, yo, I am not going to lie. I had to go Google it. I'm like Sherlock Holmes. Okay. All right. I oh, when you. I say yeah, Holmes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. See. See. That's that's something. I'm I'm so glad you caught that because yep. because I think you might be the only person. But I know I know that that but it says a lot about the you too. the Jay's though. of the world, the Nas's of the world, the the Andre three thousands of the world, they, the, the the world, they yep. catch that. Yep. And, and you know. The Mike Jordans of the world, they catch that.
0: Uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I was like, listen, <laughs> listen to him, man, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Let me just Google that real quick. Make sure. Yep. Okay, I got it. Alright. Now I can continue on with the rest of the song. So I was like, Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Right classics like yeah right, Holmes, right. King, writing classics like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, Holmes, my gears on. So yeah,
1: Holmes, I'm turning my gears on. I just wanted to say, hey, this is this is the this is the level i'm doing it at and it's funny because um we're so used to a society where people are putting out a first single and their first single is supposed to get grab the entire world and get everybody to listen to them you know megan trainer's first song was all about that bass and that was like the big song and then and then you get smaller and smaller and smaller from there and um and this just wasn't that type of record it wasn't mean it wasn't meant to be a single as in this is the single thing right. that I want to put out to grab the world. It was just the single thing that I'm willing to put out this week.
0: Mm. That's, yeah, and you um, just got them all in the
1: vault, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna hurt a lot of people's feelings. That, that's, <laughs> that's that's that's. I mean, that's one thing I, we need it. You know what I mean? It's right. it's like you you need. If if you look, I'm a huge basketball fan, and and I love what LeBron did for the game, and I think he changed. The scope of what we thought a power forward or a small forward or whatever that person could be, yeah. and and the Miami Heat when he was on their team played positionless basketball, which doesn't even make sense because everybody has a position. But right. I get the idea of everybody doing whatever it is that they need to do in order to win. They won two trips like that,
0: right? And
1: um, and and it, that was fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. He went to the Cavs, and the Cavs were supposed to win, and and Steph was just like, nah, I just. You know, (laughs) I I just don't see it that way. And I don't think you have to be (laughs) that player. And I think, you know, one of the greatest things that that that's happened to me this year is Steph. And I'm watching I'm watching someone who all my life, you know, Trent, Trent, who's my brother in law is uh, a Rucker legend and a a New York streetball legend. And I've watched him, um, um, you know, I've I've been around a lot of basketball players. Tony Campbell, who won a trip with the Lakers, was one of my basketball coaches growing up. And um, everyone's taught you to, to to get as close to the three-point line as possible mm-hmm. and, and make it because that's, that's the, you know, it's a three-point shot, which means you have an extra point, but you're, you're taking the best possible three-point shot. And Steph right. is just like, the three-point line is not here so that I could stand on it. It's here to let me know that anything behind it <laughs> also counts as three. And it's, and, and just changing that perception, defenses don't know how to, don't know how to respond to it because it's not the, it's not what people have been taught. Right. And it, and it just goes to show that all of our habits and, and, and the way we think about, the way we see the world, a lot of those things are taught. And, and if you just decide to break it, if you decide to say, you know what, this three-point line is just a line to say, anything behind this is fair game. So I'm just going to practice from anywhere behind here. Or if you're Kanye and you're like, you know what, it's crazy that we're, go- we're-, we're casually wearing athletic shoes. Uh. That, that, that concept is such a small concept, but these are athletic shoes and we're wearing them casually. Uh. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to create a line. Hmm. of all casual shoes and the world every man in the world when they're dressing casually should wear these casual shoes and and the phenomenon of Kanye shoes is is what it is because he just chose to see society in a different way and so I'm I'm, uh, with these records with with the records with the movement with the um, the vision we're going to push the boundaries on the way you see um, culture, the way you see black culture, the way you see a black man, mm. the way you see, um, like your, your image of what teamwork looks like, your image of what individualism looks like. You're going to see, we're, we're trying to break the boundaries of what all those things look like. Ownership, independence, we're, we're kind of changing the meanings, not of the words, but the association of the words as it pertains to young people in our in our young urban
0: culture mm. you know if you you know it, it's rare for people to sort of take that perspective and go down that road less traveled I mean you, you talked about Stephen Curry there's people out there that say he's ruining the, the the game I mean I don't agree with that but it's because he's challenging the status quo and he's you know, he's not bending the rules, he's taking advantage of the rules, and I think that a lot of fans have been born out of that, but a lot of, a lot of hatred has been born of that as well too. How do you block all that out? Because I gotta imagine it's the same thing for anyone who wants to take their own creative path and, you know, do something different. I think you, I think
1: you embrace it. Like, I don't think you block it out. I think you, I mm. think you learn to embrace it wholeheartedly. I remember Michael Jordan, the famous story about Michael Jordan, where um, he didn't have any motivation in the game. So he made up a lie that, that I think it was Reggie Miller said something about his mom and like <laughs> Reggie Miller didn't even say it, but he made, he made it up so that he could have something to be fueled by. Right. You know, one of, I think one of the key moments for me was, um, in July of 2014, July 4th, actually, mm. and I I've just seen my grandfather I spent my, my birthday's June 6th, I spent, my um, my birthday with my grandfather it was I, 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 it was a different birthday for me because usually I have this big party and blah blah blah. But right. I went to see my grandfather in the morning. He and I drove over to my mom's gravesite in the afternoon, and then I met with the entire family and we had this big, um, here in City Island at at night. Uh. And it was the first year that I didn't do anything outside of just be with my family. Right. Best thing I've ever done. Uh. And not even a month later, the hospital calls me and said my grandfather's um going into hospice care and he only has a few weeks to live wow. and i couldn't believe it couldn't believe it um i was in the middle of doing a a deal at the time with a producer that i had signed um where we i was taking his catalog to uh, a third party to get them involved mm-hmm. and uh, we hadn't had any records i had I had the i had uh carried the deal for about a year um at that time and i was just trying to get more help mm. for that for that particular thing, and two crazy things happened. Number one, I went and sat down with my grandfather and and um he wasn't eating, so we made sure that there was enough family around him. he didn't want to tell anybody, nobody knew that he wasn't feeling well, so we got family around him, we got him better, and he was able to go into a rehabilitation center where um we had great conversations ten hour conversations. We mm. spent the whole day together. We talked about everything from integration and we debated that to to um uh intellectual property versus versus physical property and we debated that just all these great conversations. Mm. And in that time this deal was carrying on and carrying on and carrying on, carrying on carrying on. Mm. Ended up being that my grandfather was um was able to go home. He was released to go home. And that's all he wanted to do was be able to get home, you know? And you know he was tired, and he was he was 90, so he had lived a full, full, full life. But he just wanted to be able to go home. So he gets home, and at the time, I'm in the midst of a deal. Two types of deals. One deal, where I'm giving up a percentage of uh, 50% of the business that I have to this third-party company. Uh That's the most customary deal that everybody does. The other deal, I'm not giving up any percent and I'm, I'm basically betting on myself. I'm not getting any help in that area. Um, and I'm just, I'm just betting on myself. Right. And I had an offer for, for, uh, that, that latter type of deal. And I was meeting with this company and super big, um, executive who I idolized as a kid. And, and he wanted to meet with me, at least one one, one of his representatives told me and, and, I met with him in the morning, and I flew out that night and By the time I got to my grandfather, he wasn't in a position where he was able to talk anymore, huh. and I was so sad right. because I felt like you know i i had I had robbed him of the opportunity to tell me one last thing because I had gone and sought after. Right. It chased this deal or whatever have you. But it did give me an opportunity to talk to him because he could hear me. And I thanked him and I, and I, and I, and I prayed and I sat there and, and we just were in silence for hours. And, and on that Monday, my grandfather passed away. Wow. Right. And I was with him. I was with him. I was by his bedside and he was home. So he was comfortable and he was happy. And, and, um, and then the next day I was faced with these, this big decision. Do I, do I keep this? deal a hundred percent as a independent uh, black owned company with no records no placement no records on the radio nothing and just and just take my chances or or do i give it up you know maybe take an override and 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 allow a company who this is what they do to continue to do it Sure, i have to i have yes. to yes i have to leave you know and, and not only for me but the other individual who who the producer who i signed he, he he i believe in his talent so much and i want his kids to have full control of whatever records that he creates in his catalog and and i ultimately made the decision to keep it mm. the first record we released came out two months after that on a uh an album called Two Fourteen Four four sales drive yes,
0: by sir. j cole oh i think i think we know
1: and the record was called No Role Models. And it was so crazy because like a record called No Role Models when I felt like the, you, you know what I mean? It was yeah. just how, it was, it was like, it was like him speaking to me, right? And the record was called No Role Models and, and we were, we were really excited about it because in the record we felt like it had the, the commercial, commerciality that could win and, and we went, I don't know, December, December 9th, it came out. We went from December. The first time anybody told me they heard it on the radio was September the following year. Wow. So literally, we went, what, 10, 9, 10 months yeah. without ever hearing the record being on radio and not knowing if they were going to put a single out or, or whatnot. And somehow, somehow... It became the number one record on that album in every metric. If you look at Spotify, if you look at iTunes, if you look at um every single metric that you can. I don't I don't know if YouTube would agree because there's no video on it. Right, right. I know if there was a fan made video for there's no official video, there was a fan made video and even that video had millions of views. Wow, that's crazy. And and it's become the number one song. It was it was his only top forty record on this album. And um and to own that, you know, outright as, as as you know two black men owning that outright and having a top 40 record and going to these awards it's and powerful and receiving awards on that on behalf of that and knowing that that decision is the decision that kind of uh, allowed us to to have that moniker it's not it's not really something that everybody's aware of we, mm. the average person doesn't understand publishing doesn't really know why it's important to own it outright they know that prince bought his catalog back but they don't understand Michael, J- Michael Jackson bought his catalog back, but they don't recognize you don't have to buy your catalog back if you never sell it. Mm. Right. Right. If you never sell it, you never have to buy it back and control and um, to be able to say that, Hey, we didn't sell ever and we were still able to have commercial success. Right. Not once, you know what I mean? And it's right, not right. one thing, but just the way you are is one of the biggest records in the last 10 years. It's, it's to be able to own those records um, outright for for the percentage that we hold is is i mean it's it's groundbreaking no doubt no so so what's next for you um th- uh the next thing is we're just going to push the the recording side of the industry i think we've done a good job of the publishing side which is like the back end stuff and i think it's it's important at this point in time i've, I've i don't have i know i just decided that it, 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 we need more examples we need more role models we need mm. i mean kendrick is is is, is, is an amazing example coming out of Compton. I was just in LA last week and um you know he's 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 done a lot. You see a lot of people who are who are impacted by him. And J. Cole for Fayetteville, he's he's an amazing example. I think that um it's just time is we just need more. Right. You know, we just need more people who are who are examples. I, I, I speak to a lot of people who are in my organization don't come from like one place they're not from Compton they're not from Harlem right a lot of people in the organization are implants from somewhere else they spent half their life here they spent half their life here they traveled their parents moved around a lot they were military kids they don't identify as much with the person who's like yo I put on for of my hood because right. they moved around so much that their they friends have you know they, don't, they they, don't their, have their friends have changed right, right. They, they haven't stayed a, around uh, in one place long enough to have those long-term friendships like that and we've become our own little family and our own little um click our own little block if you could Uh, and um and i just think it's time for for people who are in that in that position to be able to stand up i think it's time to show a new a new level of black ownership i think that um it's 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 crazy for us to ask um jay-z and diddy to be our only examples for the rest of our lives. I think it's, you know what I mean? I think it's, 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 it's selfish to be like, Hey, you know what? We're going to sit lean and, and do all these drugs and you guys go be the responsible examples for our community for the rest of the world. And it's like, nah, I'm not, I, I want to, I think it's, I think people need that. They need to see a new example. They need to see, uh, uh, a black man who, you know, is, is, is not, um, is really black. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's really, like, a key, like, is a nigga, you know yeah, you yeah, yeah. what I'm saying? Right, right, but right. Who's, but who's, who's able to play classical piano, who's able to, to, to receive awards and to create business dealings that other people aren't able to create no matter what their race, religion, or creed is just because they're not, either they don't believe in themselves or they're not creative enough to, um, to come up with, with new ways to, to skin a cat as my grandma used to say. Mm. And, um, mm. And I just think we need that, man. I think people are 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 seeing it for it. I think they're yearning for it. And I just want to create an organization of people who are who are ready to deliver that and understand the responsibilities and, like you said, backlash that comes with it. Not everybody's been preparing themselves, you know, for it as long as I have, and I and I understand that. So even the guys who are uh, part of our organization, they, you know, it's just it's a constant personal progression. That comes along with it.
0: As a uh, as a fan, when can I expect another uh, song on SoundCloud? Uh, so w- one of my
1: partners is in the process of building a studio and building. People always think of like, oh yeah, he had some people come over and you know pay for labor and and, and I mean like he he literally put the framing up himself. I, I went out there two weeks and I I did my best to help or at least encourage and motivate because I'm not <laughs> I'm not as you, you know what I mean? It's, it's not my world. No, I'm with you. It's not my I'm, world. I'm with you. So, um, but I, I watch. I'm watching him build it, and I'm and I'm, you know, doing my best to at least be there. I can hold the tape measure if you need to. Right, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. I could support, I could make a run to the store, whatever it is. But, um, once once that's built, we're going to lock in, and it's and it's 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 yeah, it's gonna be a problem. So, All right. All right. late this late this summer. I'm going to put out, um, several records leading up to project. I'll have a full project out before the year is out. Mm. Um, I'll be doing, I'll be doing, um, a series of live shows before the year is out or, or, uh, if not before the year is out, definitely like super top of the year. First week I'm hitting you. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I will be your new year's resolution. Like, boom. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on also locking in a couple other artists and, um, writers, public, producers into the camp. And, um, and we're working on our visual side. So in, in terms of photography and, and, um, art, um, videos. So I, I've got everything. I've got everything in the queue. All right. I've got right. about, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of stuff in the queue. I'm just, I'm just waiting to press the, the go button. Cause once we press it, it's not, you, you, it's stuck. All right. All right.
0: right. We'll and we'll be ready. So, uh, we'll look forward to that, man. I, I just want to take the time to say, um, thank you for being on the whole grown up, uh, means a lot to me. And I really appreciate you you sharing your world with our listeners. Any last things you want to share at vinyl crown, V I N Y L C R O
1: W N is the, um, the company, uh, on Instagram at Saint Cassius, S A I N T. C-A-S-S-I-U-S underscore is my personal. I don't really have anything to promote because it's, it's coming. You'll, 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 you'll definitely see it. There it is. Just open your eyes. <laughs> open your eyes and you'll see it. Alright, man. I really appreciate it. Right. I, I thank you so much, man. It's not
0: yours. I'm not gonna fight for something I don't own. Men don't I fight for others. I fight for me. I'm not a doula. I'm not gonna build somebody else's company
1: and then pick shares on my son. Molly and Rock time for My bow tie is black and good fashion I clothesline rappers Who clothesline rap And I'm spitting sicker Than a monster In the frozen tantra My double entendres Only you shake it Like you hide it While I'm whipping In my bands Are you still skating In your hinders No we're not the same part That it's something You've never conjured It's ludicrous And not put me At the
0: top of your list Thanks for tuning in To The Whole Grown Up For more information On today's show And other episodes Please check out Thewholegrownup.com Be sure to leave a review On iTunes and follow our social media handles using at the whole grown up. We'll see you next time. And remember, continue to make your story and and develop develop a a complete complete and whole version of you. you.